right, folks. This is According to Callus. And welcome, welcome, welcome. This is episode 199. One more to the magic number. Here we go. Tonight's episode will be called Not Me. Yes, I was completely inspired by the thought of the old family circus comic by the uh, great Bill Keane, where the little ghost-like character wanders around causing all the troubles, uh, and he is named Not Me. And I say he because, well, let's face it, if there's troubles being caused, more often than not, it's young boys than young ladies because, you know, sugar and spice, that kind of jazz. Um, So... I got four, maybe five things I'm going to reference. Uh, we're going to start with uh, the most um, abstract or the furthest out and work our way down to local. So, and, oh, and just in case you're wondering, I just had to take the night off last night. I was just too darn tired. Uh, I'll explain a little more in the uh, show. Here we go. So, Number one, inflation. Yes. In case you haven't heard, the resident in chief has determined that it's not me or not my fault. You see, never mind that the government has been printing, aka producing lots of more debt. Hmm? Never mind that they have spent more money than we can possibly ever pay back. No, that has nothing to do with it. And, and of course, don't get me started on the Federal Reserve and how all this stuff works. Just for the most basic, simplest explanation, if there's a problem, the government probably caused it. And if they didn't cause it, they will only make it worse. And if they try and fix it, it will just make it worse yet still. Government doesn't solve problems. They may temporarily put a band-aid over one problem, but create six others. They may give the appearance of solving a problem, but then manifestly make other things worse. But government does not solve problems. So when they claim that uh, they have nothing to do with inflation, I'm sorry, just categorize that under his lips are moving. He must be lying. Now, whether we're talking about Sleepy Creepy Joe or the previous president, whom apparently a good number of my listeners still love, it doesn't really matter. Government can't spend money that it doesn't have without causing problems further on down the line. And while they can create money out of thin air because, well, Congress or even more so Federal Reserve, that doesn't mean that there isn't going to be a cost to us long term. So for those of you following along, if you had $25,000 in the bank at the beginning of this last year, at 7% inflation, by the end of the year, think about that. Because if it's 7% every month, or is it just 7% overall? Hmm? So let's just be nice and say it's 10%. So $2,500 of your $25,000 is almost gone. Or a better way perhaps to think of it is the $25,000 that you had is now really only worth $22,500. Now, if that isn't theft, I don't know what is, but of course... 
silly me, I still subscribe to the idea that in theory, taxation is theft. So, I mean, take that for what it's worth. But you need to really do your own research. You shouldn't just believe what I say, even though I'm right the majority of the time, or at least I believe I'm right. Otherwise, I would not be saying it. You need to do your own research. You need to investigate things. You need to look at more than one source. You need to look at opposing ideas on things and come to your own conclusion based upon who you think puts forth the best evidence or the best argument. And for me, say what you want, I think the Austrian School of Economics does a much better job of explaining how the world works than any of the other theories behind economics. Now, can they answer every specific question? No, but neither can anybody else. And, oh, I don't know, to think that you can is kind of uh, hmm, silly, maybe a little hubristic. There are things that you cannot know. You will not know. And even if you think you've got it figured out, you may very well be disproven. Of course, we used to call that the scientific method before we turned it into a cult of worship and not being able to question it at all because, you know, science. So, but again, this all falls under directly the idea of not me. So, of course, it's not the Federal Reserve's fault. It's not the federal government's fault. Certainly not the president's fault. No, of course not. They had absolutely nothing to do about it. Let's kick it over to the foreign policy side here for just a minute. And you may recall in a previous episode that I entitled Russia, Russia, Russia. Yes, that's a play on Marsha, 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 in case you weren't aware of that child of the 70s and 80s, you would get that. The rest of you Zoomers can't help you. So the idea being that if you keep poking somebody, they're eventually going to react. If you keep pushing somebody into another person, the third person is liable to react poorly to the second person. If you completely ignore the idea that the other guy is bigger and stronger than the guy you're bumping into him, that's going to have bad effects to that person. And again, in keeping with the theme of our night, it's not my fault, not me, I didn't do it, says Joe Biden and the resident-in-chief, a.k.a. the <clears throat> administration at large. And of course, it's not NATO's fault either. Oh, no, no, no. They didn't, you know, extend guarantees and set people up for failure? No. And of course, it has nothing to do with that color revolution that they did about mm, eight years ago. No, that's not me. Now, look, I don't think I've ever defended Mr. Putin as being a nice guy. I probably would not be enthusiastic if he was my president for life. But I will say, and I stand by this, that it's apparently obvious to me now, well, let me rephrase, that's not the correct terminology I want to use. It is blatantly apparent to me and obvious now that Mr. Putin actually loves his country and quote unquote his people far more than our overlords love their country or their people. And I would include the Ukraine in that. 
that does not make any of them good people or good men or women or take their side in this fight merely acknowledges that uh, one bully pushing a third party into another bully in hopes to get the bullies to fight when the second bully then just decides to pummel the poor hapless guy in the middle does not make anybody a good guy. And again, in almost 100% of this scenario, it is the government's or those that are running the governments, if you want to go down that rabbit hole, that are manipulating effects and are the ones that are guilty of causing the said event and not the people themselves. In fact, they're mostly along for the ride whether they want to go there or not. They are in the bus, as it were. But of course, they all get to say, not me, not my fault. I didn't do it. Yeah, right. But of course, governments are run by honorable men and they would never lie to us. They would never cheat. They would never steal. No, 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 no. Poor citizen. Why would you think such a thing? Well, let's go on to the next subject. Since we've kind of touched on the war in Europe, which is really a limited police action, right? Where have we heard those words before? Mm. Okay, next one, governor. So, as you may know, there are at least 50 governors in the United States. Some are good, some are bad, and some just think they're good, but they're really not that good. I'll let you draw your own conclusion where I think our Governor Abbott is at in that scenario. But if you were to rank them on a scale of 1 to 50, and if we were to be extremely generous, we could say that the governor of Texas is in the top half of all governors, which would put him at, to be nice, 24 or better. So if we do that, would it be fair to say that unless he's in the top 10, which would put him in the top 20%, there's room for improvement? Well, yes, I think there would be. So the question is, when the governor made all of his pronouncements and dictatorial orders that were in complete contravention of the state of Texas's constitution and he violated the constitution and the law, does he now get to claim, well, not me, not my fault. I just did what we had to do because of the emergency. And are we all going to be okay with that? Now, I know, I know. He won the primary. I mean, in the, the reported votes show that he crushed it. You know, and I, I know, I know. I, it doesn't matter what I believe. And it doesn't even matter that if at some point a year from now it could be proven, what's done is done. So now we're stuck with the guy, whether we like it or not, because we have an R after our name and we're mm, habitually or ethically or morally bound to vote for the guy. But does that mean that we don't hold his feet to the fire? And do we give him a free pass when it says, well, it's not me. It wasn't my fault. I just did what I had to do. And uh, I didn't really have any control over that. It's not my fault. Not me. Not me. Well, yeah, actually, if you're the governor, the buck does stop with you. But while we're at it, I mean, the lieutenant governor has an enormous amount of power that he just chose not to use. 
He hid behind the skirts. Oh, I'm sorry. That's not an appropriate way to say that. He hid behind, he hid behind the chair of Greg Abbott. Did nothing, said nothing, and went along for the ride. And again, to be completely fair and objective, I think that I could find in the kindness and goodness of my heart to put Lieutenant Dan in the uh, top half of a 0 to 50 ranking or a 1 to 50 ranking. But again, does that mean there's not room for improvement? Does that mean that we just don't question anything that happens? Well, I guess, unfortunately, in some sectors of the Republican Party, that is exactly what that means. While they won their primary, we must support them 100% and do everything we can because we're scared of Beto. Beto's not running for lieutenant governor. Well, it doesn't matter. You know, he could help that other guy across or that other lady across the finish line. And we can't have that. Okay. All right, I, I get it. I understand. So what you're saying is when this stuff goes bad or it doesn't get better or there's a failure improvement, you're going to say not me too. Not my fault. I didn't do it. We didn't have a choice. Yeah. Yeah, not me. There's that uh, silly old thing again, right? Now, those of you that are familiar with the Bill King comic, uh, there is a, let's call it, a cousin ghost called I don't know. I don't know. This isn't entirely relevant right now, but we're going to just throw it in for fun since we're talking about not me. When you go and you ask these elected officials, what would you have done differently or what would you have done better? Most of them say, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I would have followed the science. Huh? I don't know. It's just another way of saying not me, not me. I, I don't want to take responsibility. I don't want to be responsible for my bad behavior, my bad actions. Well, I'm sorry. That flies in the face of everything I was taught as a child. And now as a parent who's had two children of his own, and I tried to instill that upon them as well, that you must be responsible for what you do. And sometimes... That means negative consequences come upon you. Sometimes that means there's not fun times involved with it. But again, we live in the clown world of politics where apparently you can screw up an entire state, take an economy and quite frankly, imprison people or jail them if you prefer for no real crime other than they didn't follow your rule. And you don't have any consequences for that. You just get a free pass and you get to continue on doing what you're doing. And all of us that question it, well, we're a bunch of cranks. You people, you're demanding too much. Well, you know what? I got news for you. The last time I looked, we were a representative republic and these people do actually vote for us so that when I call them and I say, well, your name was on this proclamation... You don't get to say, not me. You're the person that did this to us. You're the responsible person. The buck stopped with you. That's what you ran on. That's what you said you wanted. And now you're running and hiding. I'm sorry. I've got no use for that. <clears throat> Just kind of push it off on other people. Don't want to, don't want to face it head on. You know, I got to tell you, folks, those are just the easy ones, right? Everybody's going to agree. 
with those three things for the most part. I mean, doggone Biden a little bit, doggone the Federal Reserve, you know, doggone NATO and their bad behavior and the resident in chief and his administration's bad behavior. And even drift on to the governor that really, quite frankly, disobeyed the Constitution. But apparently we love him enough that we're going to send him for another term, Republican Party of Texas. But let's drive it on down to something closer to home. Let's consider the implications of refusing to take up for yourself. Refusing to do or follow through on your commitments because somebody upset you. So now, I'm going to lay out a scenario. It's a true story, mind you. But I'm going to purposely leave out the parties involved by name because I don't wish to inflame the issue further. And for the sake of clarity, there was a debate that was supposed to have occurred last week. And in the debate, you're going to have two parties. And both parties ostensibly know their issues well and know the opposing side's point of view and arguments as well and are going to show up and lay down their best argument or their best talking points, if you will, for why their idea is better than the other idea. And because you're involved with politics and because you're involved with public policy, sometimes you get called bad names. Sometimes you're not treated very nicely. But you develop a thicker skin, if you will, and you understand that when people resort to name calling, it's typically because they don't have a good argument. So that shouldn't bother you. It it shouldn't cause fear and trepidation. Now, I know that sometimes when people get in the heat of the moment, they say things that they don't necessarily mean to sound the way they could be interpreted. Now, I know that if I use the term the big lie or the great lie and you're under the age of 40, you probably don't really know what that means. So being a good teacher, I might say, well, just in case you're not familiar with this term, I'm going to give you the historical reference from whence this became popular nomenclature. And in this specific instance, it goes back to a totalitarian leader, a dictator, a bad guy. And he wrote out a book. And in this book, he referenced the term, the big lie, or the great lie as it's sometimes known. At no point in time are the two the same thing. As a matter of fact, I think it would be fair to say that there's been more instances in history where you could make an accusation that there was a great lie or the big lie and you could reference it back by demonstrating this without this book. But again, most people under the age of 40 have no idea, no historical significance of this. And unless you bring up that individual's name and you can put the genesis upon him, people don't understand it. But then when you make the 
accusation or the definition of somebody's argument as being the big lie, you're not equating that issue or that argument as being the same as the individual that made that declaration or that definition up. Now, I understand how if somebody wanted to go and make that leap, they could use a straw man to get to that point. They they could extrapolate it out and make the thing that you're accusing them of using similar tactics. Therefore, you're saying you're just like that person. Yeah, I, I guess if you want to take that leap, you want to make that giant stretch of logic. Okay. So in that instance, I'll grant you that probably was not the hmm, best turn of phrase when talking about an individual who would very easily take offense at near mentioning of the tyrant at play. So I, I get that part of the scenario. But to then say, well, I am so upset... I am so heartbroken, and these are my words, and I'm exaggerating to prove a point here. Please bear with me. We're so upset that somebody used language that could be interpreted in a way that is equating this person with that person. Therefore, we're not even going to show up and participate. We're going to refuse to take part in a debate. We don't believe that we can give a good argument because we're so emotionally hurt by that. Okay. So, you've done now two things. By not showing up, you've essentially given your opponent the floor for the entire evening to where they can spend all of their time destroying your argument which I think is foolish in the first place. Second thing, you've shown yourself to be, and and I'm going to use this term because it's the nicest way I can say it, weak, and that you're not willing to see a little adversity. You're not willing to face a little mm, uncomfortableness. Your, Your argument or your issue isn't important enough for you to have a little bit of discomfort. But, words. Now, most of us on the right correctly mock those on the left that cry about safe spaces and they 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 cry that they are offended and they can't handle it and they need to go color or whatever. We raised an entire generation of little I'm trying to remember uh what the phrase is somebody else used uh I think it was teacup. We've raised a generation of teacup kids. They can't face any adversity. Wow, if I could say the word, it'd be helpful. They can't face anybody even questioning what they think or say. This person basically just made that okay. Now, you got to say, what would you do? And this is where I have an answer for you. I'm not going to give you, I don't know. I'm going to give you my life. 
Now, I'll admit, I probably could have and should have handled it a little bit better. But when somebody made a very unsavory accusation about me, based upon one point of interest, or one point of information if you prefer, and made a giant leap and slurred me, I took offense, but it's politics. I took it head on. I was quite aggressive in rebutting it. Some might say I came across a little angry or a little upset. And in fact, I mentioned that I was going to stop talking because I was getting quite animated and I didn't want to come off like I was angry. But I did want to explain that you can say this, but it's demonstrably not true based upon my life and my behaviors. And you know what? The general public doesn't know and they really don't care. And for whatever you want to say, that slur worked to an extent with a certain group of people. Would it have made the outcome any different? No, probably not. Did it go away right away? No, it took a little effort. So I didn't shirk that. I didn't run away. I didn't get offended and crawl under a rock and go color or something. I I was an adult man and I have to behave like an adult man and it's okay to get upset. It's okay to yell. It's okay to be animated. And in the right circumstances, it's okay to exert a little physical domination or violence. To be clear, this did not get anywhere near that, but just while we're on the topic. So when you say not me, that means that you're not willing to do anything. When you don't show up, that means it doesn't matter. Now, I will say that a a friend of mine a couple of years back told me this was a common tactic used by this, mm, I want to be a little more opaque. This movement has often used excuses to not show up to debates. They want to be able to talk unencumbered and they want to be able to present their arguments without anybody there to refute them. I don't blame them for that. I, Truth be told, it's much easier to teach a class if you're not being interrupted all the time and you don't have somebody that goes intermittently with you basically undoing everything that you've tried to put across. But that's not what a debate is. A debate is an opportunity For you give out your best arguments and your opponent's best arguments and the people present get to determine whether or not, yeah, I really think he did a better job or she did a better job of presenting that. And it's convincing. Or they say, well, you know, that was a convincing argument, but what about this, this, and this that they really didn't talk about? So what they're really saying is that you weren't worth the time. You weren't worth the challenge. You weren't worth the discussion the disruption, and the discomfort. Now, for me personally, I don't think anybody really cares that I'm not a big fan of Greg Abbott. I think, truth be told, in Collin County, Texas in 2022, while it might be an edge-worthy stance to take, eh, it's probably not going to get you persona non grata status. 
not that that's what I'm looking for, but let's just say that's probably within the three by five card that Tom Woods has talked about from time to time. So I don't feel any great threat from that, but it does upset a lot of people. It does cause them to question things even amongst themselves. If you're not willing to stake out a position that's going to make you or your opponent a little more uncomfortable, aren't you necessarily saying, well, not me. I don't want to take the effort. Not me. I don't want to put any risk in it. Not me. I don't want to put skin in the game. To drive it even closer to home. We had 14% turnout, apparently, in the primary. Now, I've talked about this not once. Not twice, but probably at least three different times since the primary occurred. I don't understand. If you're all unhappy with what we've got, and all it takes is 10 minutes to get off your butt and go drive to the voting booth, and five or 10 minutes to wait in line, and another 10 minutes to drive home, what you're telling me is 30 minutes of your time is not worth the future of the state of Texas. And honestly, I don't want you to vote. Just like I don't want low information voters to go vote. If you don't understand the issues at hand, if you don't understand what's at stake, if you're not going to take the time to know what candidate A thinks versus candidate B, I don't want you to vote. Now, you have every right to vote. I'm not going to prevent you from voting. But if somebody were to ask me, do I think it's a good thing that that person voted? I'm going to honestly say no. No, I don't. And unlike some friends of mine, I don't feel the need to try and convince somebody to vote like me because I'm right. Well, I think I'm right. And while I'm going to go vote that way because I think I'm right, doesn't mean that I want to beat you over the head to make you go do what I'm doing. No, I want you to go take a little time of your own, investigate the issues, and determine which person best reflects your values. If you choose to disagree with me, that's okay. We do have a representative democracy. We do have a republic. We are supposed to have some say in who goes down to Austin or goes to D.C. and works for us. I am not perfectly enthusiastic about a bunch of people being just like me. Because I'm going to have blind spots. I'm going to have things I don't know. I'm going to have things that I get wrong on occasion. My wife's listening, so I better put that in there. So... The reality is it's good that we disagree on a few things. It's good that we have these discussions. It's good that we have arguments. We shouldn't be afraid to go discuss things and have opposing point of views. And it's very disturbing. There's the word I want to use. It's very disturbing to me that anybody that puts an R after their last name feels awkward. Like they can't say, well, actually, I support Texas. Well, actually, I think that, well, this is a good idea. Or how about this one? Maybe not all drugs should be illegal. Maybe we shouldn't throw people in prison for life because they got high over the weekend. Woo! You radical. Look, it doesn't matter what I think about those things. The state of Texas isn't ready to do that. Honestly, I have serious doubts about legalizing drugs. But I will be the first person to tell you I don't think it does anybody any good to throw somebody in prison because they got high over the weekend. I don't think it does anybody any good to ruin people's lives with a felony pop because they went to a party. Now, I can tell you flat out, I think it's stupid. 
I think you've made a bad decision in your life. I think and pray that you would make a better decision. But it's your life and you need to be able to live it and learn from your own mistakes. You're never going to do that if I don't let you make those mistakes. And as a parent, sometimes that's a challenge, right? Well, I don't want my child to make a mistake. I don't want them to fail. I, I, I don't want them to struggle. Well, yeah, okay. You're right. But then you teach them that daddy or mommy is going to do everything. They don't have to do anything. They live under the mantra of not me. I don't have to be responsible. I don't have to give this thought. I don't see it all ties together. Everything. Everything drives on the idea that you have to be responsible for yourself first and foremost, then your family, then your community, then your state. Depending on how you define your state that has multiple layers of meaning, but go with me here. All right, so that is the episode of 199, Not Me. I will be back with episode 200. And quite honestly, I have no idea what I'm going to do with it. But we're going to have a little fun because apparently it's a big deal. And with that, I will see you on the other side.